Crosswinds family and friends, welcome to Crosswinds Unleashed. Each week we're dedicated to bringing the best stories and biblical life principles from authentic believers. Our podcast breaks down the Christian life through interviews and practical instruction in what we hope will be a fun and accessible way. I'm Craig Cooper, the host of this podcast and lead pastor of Crosswinds Church. Let me give a special shout out to Elijah Merrill, our producer, and Sheldon Boyce, our assistant producer. All that's good about this podcast is because of them. They do all the hard work of making sure this podcast comes out each and every week. Uh, I get the privilege of just sitting here and doing interviews and and trying my best uh, to bring to bring to you uh, what we're hoping to accomplish. If you want to learn more about this podcast or anything Crosswinds related, head on over to our website at crosswinds.church. That's crosswinds.church. Well, I'm excited to have in the studio with me not just our our executive producer, um, but also uh, host and, and many times co-host of this podcast, Elijah Merrill. Elijah, thank you so much for being a part of this. Of course. Thank you. Elijah was sharing with me some time ago about a book he had come across called The Epic of Eden, The Epic of Eden. And I thought we have yet, I believe, to do a podcast where we discuss a book. And so this isn't going to be a book club uh, podcast, um, but he brought up some things that were of great interest um, to any of us who were desiring to understand our Christian walk. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I'm going to do as little talking as possible. I want Elijah to share. Um, first of all, um, really, um, who wrote the book, The Epic of Eden? So The Epic of Eden was written by an author named Sandra Richter. Um, she has... She's written multiple books in the in the sort of the Christian theology and you know Bible dig deeper sort of topic, you know. Um, but this is one of them that is by far her, probably her most popular that she's written. And, and talk, give a brief overview, like what, the the Epic of Eden. First of all, what a great title. Yeah. Um, but what what is the overview of the book? Like, what's the book hoping to accomplish for the reader? Yeah. So the. The book is essentially it's it's a deep dive into um, understanding God's covenants in the Old Testament and how um, through the different the various covenants that we see that God made with His people um, in the Old Testament how they are just so intricately woven together in ways that we might not first grasp on a you know. I, I dare say maybe a surface level read through of scripture or even just maybe th- in ways that we don't even think about. So its goal is that it paints this picture of how they're so connected and then how all of them together show different aspects of God's nature and God's, you know, just his divine, his justice, but his mercy and his, in his love, you know, but, um, and his power, you know, and how all of these different things together in their own time, came together to, to pave the road for this redemptive history that, that God had planned through Jesus Christ. Let me and, ask you, what's a covenant? A co- like for someone who may be sitting there and saying, well, I think I know what a covenant is, but what is a biblical covenant? Yeah. So a covenant from a biblical perspective is is a promise, really. And so it's it's an agreement, um, and then we take it from biblical context. So it's, it's an agreement that God made with either with someone or with a group of people with someone on their behalf. But uh, it's an agreement that um, that God's saying, "Look, I promise to do this, or I promise to 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 bless you, or I promise to do this thing, um, and in exchange um, that you follow me or the, in your obedience." And we can maybe dig into that a little bit because there's some there's some there's con- a condition there's to some, the con- some of the covenants. Okay, yeah, there's some conditions there, but then there's also some non conditional ones too. 
um, where God said, I promise you this, and that's my, that's my covenant I'm making to you, and I don't, I don't need this thing in return from you. You know what I mean? And God made some of those in the Old Testament also. Um, but yeah, it's, it's essentially, it's a promise. It's, it's a, it's similar to how we view marriage as a covenant also, you know, um, and how that's, that's, that's a bond. That's a, that's a promise made between two individuals. Well, that's an interesting imagery, right? The marriage covenant Mm -hmm. where you have a a husband and a wife, uh, at least an intended husband and wife, right? Until they, I now pronounce you husband and wife, but as they're making this covenant to each other, they both make promises Mm -hmm. to what they're going to bring into that relationship. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, so like um for example in the in the Mosaic covenant which is the covenant that God made with Moses um and his people the uh it was God promised that he would give them this um this land the promised land in the Mosaic covenant and um but the contingency on that was that these people needed to they needed to live by these 10 commandments and these laws that that God laid out um, and gave to Moses. Um, but that's a promise that God said, listen, I, I want to give you these things and I want to, I want to bless you with these things, but in return, I need you as my people to promise that, that you'll uphold this part of it as well. You know, let's go back to the Abrahamic, um, Mm -hmm. covenant, um, because it's so pivotal to setting off all these other covenants that happen. You talk about the Mosaic covenant that happens many, many years later, mm-hmm. as uh, a people who are not a people, uh, as uh, as the Scripture tells us, becomes the people of God. Right? He pulls these people who were not a nation and turns them into the nation of Israel. Um, but the Abrahamic covenant is an interesting covenant because he calls this individual Abraham, who is Abram, can get a little confusion uh, there when you think of uh, Abram, and then it's Abraham, same person. Uh, but that, his name change is actually part of the covenant, mm. um, and so he he um, he makes this covenant with Abraham, and one of the parts of that covenant will be that he will be a father. Of of really nations and yeah. and, and and really um, from him would 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 stem the really redemptive history comes in mm-hmm. some part up to Abraham. So all the other things that are happening, and then Abraham sort of branches off into these other things. It's really interesting. So unpack that for us a little bit. Yeah, I so the book the book goes into um, all these covenants in in sort of the timeline that they happened and. Um, with the Abrahamic covenant that he made, it's it's really this. I love how the book the book paints this picture, and I um, I just wanted to make sure that I got it right. But they said that the author said this this act that God had of, of having this covenant with Abraham represented represents God's commitment to fulfill the covenant unilaterally, uh. regardless of human failure. So it was it was through all like as you were saying, it was Abraham, but Abraham represented. All of us. It, it represented all of all of his descendants. Then it's a promise forward. to any of God's mm-hmm. people. Yeah, yeah, and it um, it's just one of those things where we see that's a that's an example of God's grace coming through in that in that covenant. I think as you unpack these as you unpack these covenants for yourself and you dig into Scripture, you can see numerous examples of the different God's different attributes in all of them. But I think that there's key, there's key pivotal moments in some of them where we where it's a it's a very clear defining moment of your like, well that's God's grace, you know, and that's God's that's God's gift. And in the Abrahamic covenant, we see that a lot. We see God saying, okay, 
I am, I am giving you, you know, despite some of these things and despite what your people might do moving forward, I'm giving you this gift of, this gift of grace, this gift of promise to you, a promise of, of, of blessing and abundance, you know, and regardless of what some of, some of your descendants and you at times, Abraham have done, you know, but, um, it's, it's really just this. And what a, what a, what a profound example of, of love that goes beyond, um, beyond human action, you know, and it's, ba- it's because it's not based on that. It's not based on what we would do because we, God knew and continues to know that we can't, we can't express the, the level of love that he has for us in return. That's just a divine level that we can't understand. But thankfully that, that promise is not based on our our ability to do that or our, our ability to 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 serve him to a specific level or to a specific um, requirement, you know. Other than like we are his people and he and, and he calls us to to believe in him and to follow him, right? It, it's interesting, you know. I think about um, you know whether courts still use this language, but they used to be, you know. I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So help me, God. And it's interesting when you look at the covenants that God will say, "I swear by myself." You know, mm-hmm. upon myself, like yeah. like I am the guarantor of this. You know, and and it just sort of blows my mind that there's no he he can't pick anything higher mm-hmm. than himself to say I make this covenant. I'm faithful. I'm true to my word. Yeah, um, all of that just is wrapped up in who he is. Mm-hmm. What what surprised you most as you read through the book and reading through the covenants? What what really stuck out as man? This really surprised me. I didn't really realize this until I approached this book. I think one of the things that stuck out to me the most was I have had and I praise God that through some of the like through classes and through time just being a believer and digging into God's word my he helps deepen my understanding of being able to grasp his word um not to not to the to the fullest that I probably could, you know, but he can that's a growing process, right? He continues Absolutely. to to show me how to get even more and more out of his word because it's so active and living. Um but one of the things that I had for a long time is I just I had this understanding as a believer of what what the old law was and what sort of the new law was and how and how these old covenants were sort of just maybe not like, you know, Jesus came and he he came to fulfill the law is what we read in scripture. Um, so I don't need to think about any of these things anymore, you know. But I this book paints such a beautiful picture of of well, no, it's all it's all woven together as this redemptive history. I love that term. I think I'm gonna probably use it a lot moving forward. Just this God's redemptive plan is also what the book sort of um, uses it as well, but as we look back on histories, this redemptive history that God had this plan all along um, to to put these certain things into place um, to to help guide His people and to help show them. And so, something that it said early on with with like the first major covenant that God made with His people um, was. Um, putting into place some of these laws. And and we read now and we look back at it and we're like, oh my goodness, like why would God do something like that or lay out all of these ground rules or all of these laws, but then have Jesus come and fulfill these things? Or, you know, why would we do that? And I had that perspective for a little bit. But what the book painted was he was like, the author said, um, some of these things were 
were ways that God, God was showing his people who he was and trying to teach them about his mercy and about his justice and the type of God that he was. Because if you look back at the time period, especially in that culture and what gods were little g, right, and the things that they were serving, they had understandings of gods that were not merciful. They were not graceful. They were not loving. And our God steps in, the real God, and says, now I am these things, but I need to, I need to teach you how I am these things and I need to show you. And so um, they, he used the law and he used these covenants to show them bits and pieces of his nature and his mercy. And understanding that just broadens my whole my whole view. And it makes me think about how God has interacted with with different people throughout Scripture and even me to this day, but throughout people in Scripture and the things that he says and how he has said those things and how each one of those situations paints this picture of who God was. God doesn't do anything not on purpose, yes. right? And we can't we, – we always need to remember that. Through these covenants, God used them to teach him – to teach the people about who he was and say – and to teach him about – mercy and, and love and grace that they weren't getting from from culture. They weren't getting from these other potential gods at that time. I don't say potential gods, but the, the things that they were serving. You yeah, know? absolutely. And, and you know, it, it's, it's interesting to me that, um, you know, when he comes to, for instance, to Abraham, Abraham would have been in a culture where there have been, uh, you know, the, uh, multiple gods, right? Yep. And he comes and says, look, I'm the true God, and I'm calling you out. And, and there's no written... Scripture at that point, you know, and so much of what we're reading, you know, until the time of Moses, actually, there's no written scripture. Um, it, it, there's just oral, uh, yes. you know, sharing yep. the oral tradition of of of, of who God is and, and what Abraham had said, and then mm-hmm. what I, you know, going through Isaac, you know, it, it, they shared those things. Yeah. Um, but then you have this written word uh, that we get to now be the recipients of, old mm-hmm. and new. Uh, to go back and study, and so I want to I want to ask you this question as you read the book because I'll hear people say, "Well, I'm a New Testament Christian." Yeah. Um, yeah. First of all, I, I think when we say that, we we're showing a little bit of misunderstanding that the original scriptures didn't have an Old and New Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was added uh, as a way of us understanding um, that there was um, God working before Christ came and how God worked after Christ came, but it's the same God. It's one Bible made up of 66 books. Um, Also, I think when we say we're New Testament Christians, we forget the fact that the Scripture that Christ quotes and the Scripture that the apostles quote are all Old Testament. Mm -hmm. Um, They're actually living um, the process of writing the New, the apostles, right? The apostles write the New Testament. And, And so... And then you have Luke and other, right? And, and so there's, there's this interesting thing, and we can go all into how we get to Scripture. That's a worthy conversation, not my point. My point just is I hear people say, I'm a New Testament believer. I'm under the New Covenant. Yeah. And so these other things don't matter. What would you say to someone like that? Man. There's, or someone who's there in their spiritual journey. Yeah. I just – I was just thinking about that as you were as you were unpacking it. That so often we hear people say, you know, I serve the God of the New Testament. Yeah. You know, or it, he is the same God. My my brain just goes back to the we sing a song on Sundays called Same God. Oh uh, yeah. Frequently and it talks it, it it we sing about these different mir- like miraculous things and these these actions of God from the Old Testament from David to Mary and um 
and how that the God of those of miracles is the same God we serve today in the same power. And the book has this beautiful illustration. It uses the example of um, going old school, a like an overhead projector, and how the there's all of these transparency sheets. Well, wait a minute. For those who don't know what an overhead projector is, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you put a transparency sheet over yeah. this lit glass yep. that projects up to mirrors that projects it onto the wall. Essentially. So, yeah. so that that's sort of my rudimentary uh, explanation mm-hmm. of, of a uh, overhead projector. So yeah. go ahead, Elijah. For it's God's God and who He is 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 all of these transparency sheets combined. To, to make the image of God and to make who he is in his nature. And you can't – God isn't just him and his actions from the Old Testament or him and, and who he is now. First of all, oh my goodness, we could go into <laughs> how our understanding of time yes. is not the same as God's. Yes. God is not past or present. He's now and he, he is past and he is present. He's omniscient. He's everything, He's everything right? Yes. So even that in itself saying I'm a servant of the God of the New Testament is breaking down God into time and putting him into a barrier that is very man. Um, but all of these transparency sheets, you can't just you can't just pick and choose. You can't be like, well, the God I serve is this one and this one and this one. And I wanted to quote, the, uh, quote something that I just kept going back to so many times on this topic. And it was talking about the the law in this moment. So if we view if we view the that Old Testament law is this as is an action of God and part of this covenant is one of his transparency sheets, right? It said, um, in sum it is not that the law is bad or that it has been eradicated in Christ. Rather the law was a partial time and culture bound revelation of the character of God. Oh, uh-huh, that's good. Just a just a snapshot that we can see of of who God is. It's all it all comes together to to give us this idea this picture of of his nature and who he is. Everything I, I even think about how God's people then couldn't have maybe fathomed that we would have the Bible the way we have it today, right? And how we have these accounts of of this redemptive history and how we can learn from God's word today. But God knew. Yes. And so even God in his in his divine wisdom saying i'm going to i'm going to instruct and teach my people to live this way now to teach them about who i am he was also helping to paint a picture that we would then be able to see even more of today and so we can see more of maybe the picture of god and his nature but it's still it's, oh my goodness it's so such a fraction right it's it's what he's revealed of himself and it's what exactly. we can comprehend yeah and uh, so it's his choice how much he's revealed of himself, but mm-hmm. I, I think it's tied to the fact that he knows we can only comprehend so much. Yeah. You know, to go back to a, an older illustration as, you were, as, as we share about God revealing himself, because that's what he does through Scripture, right? Mm-hmm. He reveals himself, progressively re- reveals who he is. He doesn't change who he is. He's just revealing who he is. Yep. It's like a flip book. So you want to go back before the transparency and uh, an overhead projector, you know, an old flip book was was where like if you were going to draw a picture of a guy and you wanted to see that picture sort of form in time, mm-hmm. you would put little aspects of that picture on each page. And as you flip through it then, it gives this, this, this 
um, visual of, of something becoming, what w- isn't there, becoming something. Mm-hmm. And so if you start with just a simple line and you flip through that flip book, at the end, what do you see? You see his person emerge. And in Scripture, we see that and all the way to the point where Christ says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Mm-hmm. And so he's saying, look, this is the revelation that's been coming since the beginning. This is who I am as God. Yeah, um, which is just really profound, and that doesn't mean that, um, like you said, that that that's all of it. That's what we can see. That's what we mm-hmm. can comprehend. That's what we can read. That's what the Spirit has revealed. Um, I, I, it's interesting. I think there's this uh, misunderstanding among Christians that when we get to heaven, we're going to understand everything. Mm-hmm. I think we'll understand all of what we should understand and be at peace at what we don't. Yeah, and, and that's going to be a blessing of heaven because we're not going to become God. Mm-hmm. We're not going to have God's wisdom. We'll have enough. We'll have what we can comprehend. But if I understand Scripture right, we're going to be in all of Him for eternity. Yeah. Like wow, you know, this is who you are. So as we sort of um, wrap up the discussion a little bit, um, what would you say to someone? I mean, why why would uh, why would I, as a believer, pick up this book, The Epic of Eden? I think that. I mean, if if everything you haven't shared isn't yeah, enough, by yeah, the yeah, way, yeah. I mean, to me, I'm like, I got to get the book. I got to read it. So there's, I'll say two things. There's so, there is so much literature to read. There's so many books out there and a lot of them are good, but we've even talked on the podcast before. It's all supplementive to, to God's word. Like that's what we need to be deep into and in, in studying his word, everything else, the podcasts we listen to in the books and stuff. That's why we're careful about, I think, why we're careful about what we bring onto the podcast Absolutely. and stuff like that, is we believe, and even this podcast, as you're listening to it today, is meant to be supplementive to your faith and to, to help as a supplement would even in a, in a health routine, you know, or an exercise. And with that mindset, I think there are, there are resources out there that are much stronger and deeper supplements that are that are written with such a heart and such a such a such a desire to help you deepen your faith and deepen your understanding of God and deepen your love for scripture. That's what this book did for me is it deepened my love for scripture. It brought me into all of these Old Testament readings where I think even as a believer today, I catch myself, I'm like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm prepping for this message or, you know, I'm in, we're in this study together or whatever. And my my focus is always to go to, well, what did Jesus say? Or what was his lesson here? And these different things. And that's there's so much of God and there's so much of his character in the Old Testament. And this book brought a love of that to me. But it also brought just a, a better understanding of it all. And it helped it helped me to to deepen and and grasp get a better grasp of of scripture and this book is just chock full of consistently referencing scripture and giving you a historical breakdown of who who is god speaking to at this time you know who's around right now what does culture look like um and and even near the end of the book it talks about um it talks about Jesus's coming and this fulfillment of this of this redemptive plan you know um, of the covenant. Of the covenant, yeah. And uh, man, I just, if you are out there and you're like, I would love to deepen my deepen my my faith or I'd love to just dig into scripture with with a with a new outlook or a new love, I think I think especially it's good for anybody, but especially if you are if you are a newer believer 
Um, it's we get so caught up in wanting to, you know, we're digging into the Gospels or we're digging into what Paul said in Rome, uh, Romans and these different things. All of that is good and you should read it, but we should not neglect the 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 word we have in the Old Testament because all of God's word is living and active. All of it is useful and teachable for, you know, profitable for teaching and correction, training and righteousness. And um, this book just allowed me, opened my eyes and allowed me to to take in God's word in a deeper level in a way that um, I wasn't even thinking about it before. When you talk about our Christian journey, I, I see um, three categories of, of reading um, that can be extremely helpful. One is central, and mm-hmm. that's God's Word. And so I, I'm a true believer that if you're, you're not spending time in God's Word, you really shouldn't be reading anything else, uh, because it's God's Word that gives us the filter to read other things to know, okay, does this align with Scripture or not? Mm-hmm. Uh, the second book, if someone says, no, I'm in Scripture, but I really want to grow, um, would be, I think, where this book falls into the category, which is the other two groups, right? The the, the third book grouping would be, uh, they're going to tell you how what to think. Mm. This is what you need to think. And I'm always cautious of those because yeah. although they're very important and I've had books that I can even share with people that that have changed my life because of just them really filtering, putting into my mind biblical principles that I just wasn't getting out of personal study, um, was good. Um, mm. But but far more important is that second group of book, and then until, instead of trying to tell you what to think, it's how to think. Mm. And a book like this, if it's talking through the covenants, is going to enrich your study of Scripture. So to me, if, if you're reading Scripture and you're like, well, what do I add to that? If, not that you even have to, mm-hmm. but I would add a book that isn't telling you what to think, but how to think. So if you have an understanding of the covenants, it's going to change the way that you read Scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, you say, what do you mean by that? Well, it means that you're going to understand this redemptive history um, or, or as some have called the progress of redemption, mm-hmm. um, that is Scripture. Uh, and it gives you that, that understanding that sort of allows you when you hit a covenant or, or read something in the New Testament and realize, oh my goodness, they're actually addressing a covenant yeah. of God and that we're in this covenant relationship with God, which is so important we understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, when God says, I am faithful to the faithless, that is a statement out of covenant. Yeah. But he's saying, I have made my, this is my word. And my word is, if you're in Christ, I'm faithful, you know? And this is Old Testament language that, that we see applied in the New Testament because it's all Scripture, same God, mm-hmm. who says, like you said, it's not, it's not by your merit. It's because of what Christ has done. I will be faithful to that. Yeah. You know, it's the old imagery of, of, of you know, that court scene, you know, where the devil the, comes up and accuses us of all these things which we have done and we are guilty of. And right before God the Father, you know, ready to pronounce us guilty, Christ stands up and says, may I approach the bench? And he comes up and says, I already died for that. Mm. They've received me. And the Father goes, oh, covenant. Yeah. Right? I'm faithful. Enter into the kingdom. Mm. You know? And so for me, when you were sharing about this book, and the reason it's probably, it is the first outside of Scripture, right? I think it's the first actual yeah. full episode on a book is because I thought, well, this isn't telling people what to think. It's allowing them to know how to think when they're approaching Scripture. And so give the title of the book again and the author in case someone wants. I'm sure you can get on Amazon or your favorite bookstore. You can order it through your local, I'm yep. sure. But Yeah, it's called The Epic of Eden, and then its subtitle is A Christian Entry into the Old Testament. 
Um, and the author is Sandra L. Richter. I'll tell you, I, I, I am definitely going to pick up this book. I'm going to read it myself um, and then uh, have Elijah tutor me in it uh, to make sure I'm getting it. But, uh, but I'm excited about being able to present this to you. Uh, it's one of those books that I think could really enrich your, your walk with Christ and, and uh, give you a great understanding of uh, what Elijah has been hammering home, which is, a, which is so important. God is God. Mm-hmm. He's true to his word. And so what we want to do is, is learn who he is through his word. And this book will help you uh, do that on a, on a, I don't know, I'd say, I wouldn't say a, a deeper, another level, uh, just to be able to understand what the, what the covenant relationships and what the, is with God and also what the covenants mean to each and every one of us. Um, so excited. Thank you, Elijah, for sharing yeah. about this, being willing to. Um, wow, what a, what a, we could go on and on about it. Yeah. But, but for now, thank you so much for listening. Hope you'll join us next week. We'll have a fresh new podcast episode for you. Get the word out. Uh, let people know about this podcast. Uh, I know that people are, are, are just hearing about it, even though we've been doing this for, for a hot minute. Um, so let people know um, that we're doing this thing. If it's helpful for you, it probably will be helpful for them. If it's not helpful for you, you probably not, aren't even listening to this right now. So for those of you who it's helpful to, share with a friend, family member, whatever. Uh, remember to check out crosswinds.church. That's where you can find out all things about this podcast and crosswinds related. For now, be blessed and bless others. Mm-hmm.